to Feminist Killjoys PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing slut-shaming, gorillas, Sarah Ahmed, and more things mostly that we're very angry about. Um, We haven't gotten to talk in two weeks, uh, at least podcast talking anyway, and we just wanted to catch up on the latest headlines. We're happy to be, Melody and I are happy to be back, back to it. Um, but first, Mel, where can our listeners find us on the internet? They can find us on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review if you'd be so kind. We're on Instagram. We've got a Facebook account. We're on Twitter. Twitter, it's FKJ underscore PhD. We have a Spotify mixtape because Rachel knows how to do those things. So it's the Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape. We have a Patreon account um, or you could donate on our website and thank you so much to those of you who have donated and um, if you're living in 2002 like I am you can email us at fkj.phd at gmail.com yes uh, we had a couple new donations come in so thank you to those folks you know who you are um, we appreciate that so much um, uh, we have we don't have any new reviews to read I know some of our Canadian listeners are having trouble leaving reviews like they just aren't showing up so that's weird. Um, but thanks for trying, guys. <laughs> but uh, uh, we did, <laughs> we we did, well, I anyway, and probably Mel too, um, have, I feel like when school ends, we have to like find some structure. So one of the things that I do to set structure in my summer life is to create goals for my research and all the work that we do when it's not the school year. Um, so I had been setting research goals and workout goals and stuff for the summer, and I thought we could set some podcast goals and get the listeners in on it so that they could help us reach our goals. So uh, I just wanted to focus on two platforms. Um, I would like, it would be great if we could get to 400 followers on Facebook by July 1st and to get 15 iTunes reviews by July 1st. So right now that means um, we're at 305 on Facebook, so we would need 95 more. And we have eight iTunes reviews, so we would need seven more by the end of the month. And I think that's totally doable for our fans. Yeah, and if people are into helping us on Facebook, it's a real. if you haven't done this before, if you go to the our Facebook page, along the left-hand side, usually it says invite friends to this page and then all your friends appear. And then you can just send invites to friends that you think would really love this podcast. And it's really that simple. I do it for my, uh, my job with the newspaper that I help advise. So it's really effective. So if you could help us with that, that'd be great. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, so we know what you did 
in Guatemala since you made an awesome episode about it. But what else has been going on in your life since we last talked? Well, I am, I think, not sick anymore. When I recorded, I was sick. I got the Guatemalan sickness. Mm-hmm. And I, it was so bad, actually, I had to call it my doctor and get oh, some antibiotics. Yeah. But that's. Did you but, have to get shots before you went? No, I guess you're supposed to, like, do a pre. You're supposed to go see the doctor yeah. before you go, but I didn't do that. Yeah. Like, All right. I don't know. <laughs> whatever the nurse was like did you like one of her questions like did you get a pre-check-in before you left I was like I was supposed to do that no I don't yeah I've been very influenced by my partner who's just like super laissez-faire about all this stuff so I blame him um just kidding and Mm -hmm. uh yeah but you know not I'm not gonna get too graphic about it but like I couldn't even go do my cardio class like I'd have to leave so I was like okay if I cannot even do my like workouts that I love to do I'm calling the doctor this is like yeah not fun so I think yeah. the antibiotics are working good, good um but if not I have a doctor's appointment on Monday anyways so I'm better with that but man that is no joke and yeah. um I'm getting used to my summer routine it's been kind of a rough couple of days I've just been like taking long naps and like feeling bad about taking naps and you know the yeah. like yeah the summer sad and like most people yeah. I'm supposed to be like this is wonderful enjoy your time right. isn't it nice you can just lay around and read a magazine and it just makes <laughs> no. me feel sad <laughs> yeah it's it's rough uh, if, for those of you who don't we've kind of mentioned this on air but and if you know us in real life you know you know the deal but I mean for again for academics we we, we always have work to do, but we don't have to go to an office for three months. And when you don't have that structure and when you don't have quite as much to do, it's it's really hard for people who are trained to be workaholics all the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, it doesn't relaxing is really hard for a lot of people, including yeah. us. And I so. thought the Guatemala trip would help me out a little bit because I was forced to relax there. But that's right. just like you're in a whole different space. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like yeah. I was learning how to relax at home. I was learning how to relax in this foreign country. So, right. I don't totally. know. Anyways. And then just an interesting thing that I wanted to put out there, maybe reader or readers, as if this is a reading podcast. Um, <laughs> listeners would know something about this. Um, so we had somebody contact my student newspaper and tell us that we use the wrong pronouns to identify them as. Oh, gosh. Because okay. they use Z and here. It's the Z-I-E, yeah, H-I-R. Yeah. And it brought up a really interesting question for me about journalists and Mm -hmm. how to deal with that about, you know, because we just assume people's pronouns all the time as journalists. And I was looking at the GLAAD media guide, like journalism guide, Mm -hmm. and they said only to be asking people for pronouns when they're identified as transgender or you're doing a transgender story. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I just, I don't really, you know, we screwed up and I apologized and, and fixed the pronouns. Yeah. But I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what, you know, what, what to do yeah, in the future. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel like it would be amazing if we shifted our culture to just always ask pronouns yeah. no matter what, you know, no matter what, which is what I try to do in my classes. At the, on the first day of class, I ask people to like say their pronouns or write their pronouns on an index card and you know, for a lot of people who are, you know, avidly cis, like they feel weird <laughs> being like, isn't, isn't it obvious? I'm um, a he. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, but it would be amazing if our culture was just like, hi, my name is Rachel. I use she, her pronouns. Um, like just to say the same as saying your name. Um, and yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, I think, yeah, that's that's a tough situation. Um, but obviously cool that you were the person who, you know, it's I'm glad that you are the person in charge rather than somebody else who didn't even know what that meant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was my idea, too, is like, well, maybe we should just be asking. And on campus, we can create our own culture, you know, so like, right. I don't know. I mean, we could we could I could just tell reporters like part of our deals that we ask people's, you know, you have to spell out their full name and just ask right. them what their pronouns are um, to make sure. Right. But, you know, the thing is, like, I'm worried that it's going to create more confusion than. Right. Because maybe not our campus isn't fully educated on that. Um, but, right. but that's kind of why you do it, right? Like, why do you, like, I always put she, her on my name tags in hopes right. that I start a conversation and hope someone goes, well, two reasons, right? To be like, to make that part of the normative culture, but also it allows people to be like, oh, why did you, why do you have that on your name tag? And then right. just passes it along. So I don't know. Right. Anyways, yeah. if people have experience with that or have dealt with this before in the news media world, I'd love to hear your experience. Yeah, you know, that also makes me think of, like, you know, the New York Times, they always use Mr. and Miss, Ms., yep. which I hate, because yep. I remember the first time I realized it is actually, this will be the second time we're mentioning, mentioning Lori Ouellette on the podcast, but um, there, Lori Ouellette, a, a professor and doctor, was being interviewed for something, and they referred to her as Ms., and I was like, she's a fucking doctor, like, don't Ms., and somebody was like, no, Rachel, they do that for everybody, and it's like, well, what about non, non-binary people who yep. don't use either of those things? So, yeah, times there are changing, journalists. Yeah, Wake we're up. a little behind. We've yeah. barely been able to get them to use they. I mean, they as a singular pronoun is even difficult. Like, because yeah. I read the New York yeah. Times religiously on Sundays, no pun intended, and uh, yeah. <laughs> they have big problems. It's really interesting yeah. when they have to refer to somebody as they and how they, like, kind of explain it to the readers and... Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're tr- they're like super traditional journalists, and they set the standards. So that's not an excuse. It's just they're they're hard to move. So right, right. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it for me for my check in. How, how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. Uh, I moved out of my apartment in Boston and kind of halfway into my next apartment in Boston. Um into the basement of my next apartment in Boston because the lease doesn't technically start until July 1st. Um, and I'm spending time in the Midwest in the summer, um, currently in Ann Arbor. Um, and same thing, just adjusting to uh, adjusting to summer life. And thankfully, I found an amazing yoga studio here, so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, and... The coffee shops here are great. There's always room to work. And uh, like I said, I set up a work plan. Um, so I go to the coffee shop every day. I do some work, go to yoga class. Um, we have a friend here who's going to um, teach us how to lift better. So I'm going to try to get a little more into actual lifting, which I'm excited about, um, like at the gym. And Not just like lifting boxes throughout your house? Not just like lifting boxes. Oh, okay. I did enough of that. I was yeah. worried. I wasn't sure. Yeah. 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 
Um, and then I guess the other big thing that happened this past week is that some of you all know that I have um, I had a food blog for almost exactly five years, and it felt like a big part of me. It was something that I really loved a lot, and I decided this week to post what I think is going to be my last post, and I said a little farewell and um, was just kind of honest about uh, how rocky and difficult the last two to three years of my life have been and uh, felt really vulnerable, but I got a lot of really kind, warm and fuzzy responses and that was nice. Um, and hopefully some of those bloggers are going to be joining us on the podcast. So thanks to y'all who me back at Rebel, Rebel Girl Kitchen slash Rebel. Um So yeah, so that's that. Cool. Cool. I admire your vulnerability. I could never do that. Thanks. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, today we're recording on Saturday and we have a day that, uh, everything out that, uh, that has passed away. Pretty sad about that. Sad, yes. Yeah, but, um, really great figure. I mean, in sports in particular, I know you posted some stuff. Dave Zirin's perspective on uh, how sport can be such an amazing platform. Yeah. But Muhammad Ali yeah. did that. You know? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say anything else about that? Um, I guess the other thing that I was thinking about hearing that he was passing, and it's not, I mean, it's a tragic death, but obviously he was very, he was sick with Parkinson's and, you know, yeah. lived a long life. Um, but he, I was, I had my students listen to a interview with Dave Zirin and Ice Cube, actually. And they were mm-hmm. talking about how important Muhammad Ali was in the 70s um, in terms of, like, just being a political figure in a way that, like, musicians couldn't be at that time. And then how hip-hop mm-hmm. kind of took that. And, you know, totally. with, um, in the 60s with John Carlos and the... The runners who gave the black power fist during the Olympics when yep. they won, um, yep. and how hip hop really took that up in the eighties uh, as their yep. influence to be able to be, you know, a musician and a political figure at the same time. So um, I was thinking a lot about that too. Yeah. Today. Yeah. That that's actually. Yeah. So I I really you know admired his. He was really outspoken about war really outspoken about racial politics, but your comment about hip hop also just, I have to say, and some people may like throw up in their mouth when I say this, but the way he loved himself so unabashedly and thought he was the fucking shit and knew he was great because, you know, he was the greatest Mm -hmm. and would say that unapologetically reminds me a little bit of Kanye because Kanye loves the shit out of himself and, and we're to have black men love themselves without apology I think is fucking I think all you know I think all marginalized people that that's an important thing to do but you know for a society that you know teaches teaches the world not not to love or humanize black men as well as many other people of color etc etc I think that's I think I I see some similarities there in the sort of public self-love and how important that is totally totally well 
Um, cool. So with that uh, really positive uh, anecdote, let's transfer now to the negative, if you don't mind. Yeah. Who's ruining what this week? I don't know. I think they ruined stuff before this happened. Before this week, but... <laughs> oh my god. White people! All right. But specifically... I don't know if you've seen this YouTube video going around, but it's, um, and this is close to home because I used to be in choir, so I will, I will own mm-hmm. up to this, but, uh, white kids, uh, singing like choir singing the watch me whip, watch me nay nay song. Watch mm-hmm. me whip, whip, watch me nay nay, watch me whip, whip, watch me nay nay. <laughs> it was with the dancing. Yes. yes. Yes, and watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, and then they dab at the end. It's yeah, it's really, really mortifying. And I, I'm in the same boat. I was a choir kid, and I was just remembering back. We like sang like slave songs, like freedom songs, like a bunch of fucking white kids. It was fucking off. I mean, just like totally absurd. But this one in particular is just like particularly (laughs) offensive. Like so bad and I feel bad for the little white kids they don't know you know they don't know and they're just trying to like I'm sure their music teacher was like we are appreciating how wonderful like hip-hop can be like I'm sure they're trying to make it this sort of diversity inclusive like whatever but the video that we're referring to has this great like inner slicing of just black people looking mortified and sad about about these white kids singing this song so we'll link to it it's really um yeah, the song is uh, sure a whole lot better not being done by this white show choir, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. See, and I'm wondering if the choir teacher even went that far, because you know those kids are listening to that song, and so I feel like yeah. more it's like, oh, I'm the cool choir teacher that's going to like make yeah. an arrangement to yeah. have them sing it this way. Right. Be- because like we also sang, you know, slave songs. Did you ever sing yeah. Elijah Rock? Elijah Rock, Rock, Rock. No, I don't- Elijah Rock coming up though. Okay. No, I don't think I know that one. Anyways, <laughs> so we, I, okay, I was a disaffected teenager and so I might have tuned him out at this point, but I don't uh-huh. remember us like getting the education about what that song yeah. was. You know, he might have been like, it's yeah. a slave hymn, let's go, you know? Right, right. I, yeah, I think that was about it for us too. So, yeah, there wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, 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 that's true. So, Anyway, yeah, that that's um, yeah. There's they're just like so earnest. That one kid in the front is just mm-hmm. like so earnest about his dancing. It's just oh yeah, it's just embarrassing. Um, and there's this really great. Maybe I'll also try to link to. There's this um, it's like a response to white people covering rap and hip hop songs, and it's Ooh. black people doing um, uh, like trap mixes of like white people songs, and it's hilarious and amazing. I'll link to some of those. It's really good. Okay. Also, Um, just to historify this, there's been a long trajectory of white people covering black musicians' songs and, like, getting more credit for it, too. So it's not just, like, jokey ha-ha. It's, like, that's how rock and roll started was, like, these black people were too deviant for white mainstream listeners, and so they had white people cover their songs, and then they got popular. Thanks a lot, definitely. white people. You suck. Yeah, definitely ruining the dinner party. Yeah. Um, also, and we'll kind of, I don't know, maybe we can just get this out of the way because it's just so fucking devastating. But guns are also ruining things. And a society that 
can just enable people to do mass shootings. Um, specifically, there was a professor at UCLA that got shot by one of his PhD students. And, you know, all all shootings are fucking tragic. But I think Melody, um, well, I won't speak for you, but I know that I personally feel it's hard not to feel more impacted by people in our profession because we're, you know, we're at risk for these school shootings. Um, and it's just fucking it's devastating. Yeah. And it's it's also so normalized now. You know, yeah. I was at right. school doing some tying up some loose ends when the shooting happened and CNN was like covering it like, you know, they always do mm-hmm. very sensationally. And my office is right by a student lounge where there's all these TVs and like nobody paid mind to what was going yeah. on, you know. And I yeah. remember a time in which like we our nation just like shut down if there was a shooting. Like everybody's like, oh, totally. my God. I mean. Columbine was like horrified. I mean, people were so shook up by that. Yeah. And now it's just like, it barely makes news. Yeah. CNN covered it for like, you know, as it was going on, like that's their new angle. Like they showed up to the school, they like cross police lines and like try to get as close as they could to the active shooter. Cause they thought that somebody was running around. They didn't know the guy killed himself. And then they just stopped. And then it just went back to normal everyday coverage. Right. Yep. And, and yeah, this is like a total fear of mine. Like I met with my Dean last semester about this. Cause I was like, I'm concerned about this student. He's really mad at me. And she's like, oh, we'll just have a security guard, like roam around your office, outside your office. I'm like, can we just like step back and like talk about how messed up that is? That that's just like a thing now that I have to call a security guard to have them outside my office. Right. Right. I know. I know. And like, what are they going to do? Oh, anyways. I know. I know. And like, I saw this clip like shortly after. So I don't know if it was in response to, I don't think it was in response to this, but around the same time, like I think the day before it happened, Obama was at some public PBS talk or something. Mm -hmm. And somebody asked him about guns and Obama just gave this big thing about how like liberals do not want to take guns away like they do not like stop spreading that lie like we democrats like are not interested in taking your guns away like we just want stricter gun gun control blah 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 and i was just like yeah i mean not not surprised because i don't identify as a liberal and we disagree liberals and i disagree on a lot of things but um i i for listeners who are new to the program i identify farther left than that i don't identify on the other side of that um but rachel's a libertarian (laughs) no i (laughs) um (laughs) Not even funny to joke about. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, But I was just like, okay, even though it's a little complex when I get to things like, okay, the Black Panthers armed themselves, and so maybe I'm not totally anti-gun in that regard. Minus that, like, I would rather nobody have guns, period. Like, I am not for not taking your guns away. I would like to take everybody's fucking guns away. Like, I I think, or if people are going to have guns, then... Yes, I think people who, whatever. Anyway, it's a, we don't need to have, we could have a whole episode on gun stuff. So I'll just, I'll just say that it's out of fucking control. And when I was teaching a class in England last year, I was so like, I was just so fucking like, it could, it could happen. Like they don't, if somebody, I mean, people, you know, occasionally get a hold of guns there, but it's so, so rare that one tiny shooting would shut down, like, Mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. like because they just don't have guns and they exist mm-hmm. just fine like mm-hmm. it's just fine mm-hmm. and it 
it's really enraging. Yeah. And I also want to note that um, in Minnesota, we this is this shooting's getting a lot of coverage because he first killed his wife before he went to LA. I thought it was an ex-girlfriend, but no, it's an estranged his estranged wife. Oh, okay. Apparently, either way, okay. it's domestic. Either way, violence it's, and right, right, just yeah. That's a whole yeah. Thing that, that yeah. Cool. But I do think that guns are ruining a lot of things. Yeah. So. I was just chuckling because we're being so articulate. We're like, oh, God. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. This is like a rage it's, episode where everything's. It is. It is. It's true. Um, it's true. Okay. What else is making you anyway, angry? So, what's that? What else is making you angry? What else is making me angry? Um, yeah, I guess this is just, like, one big who is ruining what episode. Yeah. Um, JetBlue is ruining my day um, uh, because they recently kicked off uh, there was a burlesque dancer who was getting on the plane in, like, short shorts, but they were, you couldn't, like, they weren't even, like, she was a, she was, this is actually interesting because I'm actually, generally this, this kind of assault tends to happen to people who are not, um, who are, who are large, you know, fat or not thin bodies. Mm-hmm. She's actually, she's actually quite a thin person. So her short shorts didn't have any risk of like her butt cheek, like her butt cheek was not hanging out. Like it, you could see like the top of her thigh, but it was like her hamstring. It was like, it was, they were just short shorts. And JetBlue said that she wasn't allowed to get on the plane unless she, you know, found new shorts. So she like ran to a kiosk and like bought like, shorts that are longer um but i just and, and now she's speaking out against it and identifying it correctly as slut shaming and body shaming and you know there are just it, it was it was right you know facebook posts like the trending headlines so i clicked on it i said subject blue and then you have to read all the like full posts about it and just the amount of like horrible hatred that people say about this woman from men and women there's a lot of like have some self-respect like women will say that a lot and like a lot of the men there was one guy that said maybe this flies in your trashy walmart where you probably usually shop shop but it's not going to happen on you know on an airplane whatever it's really classist garbage that i think is super fucked up and is some bullshit what do you think i think the same thing i think what i would add to it is a, she looked very cute. And B, <laughs> I liked her outfit. And B, yeah. um, what really gets me as a media studies scholar is that, you know, we often look at how women are represented in the media, and they're often represented in the way that she was dressed, right? So they're often, and I, I'm, she, we sexualize women, and I'm saying this kind of in a positive way, you know, like, so women mm-hmm. are sexualized all the time in media, commercials, film, you know the superhero woman who's got her boobs hanging out, you know, looking good. Advertisements. Mm-hmm. And then when, like, a living, breathing version of that shows up, like, we can't handle it all of a sudden and we tell them that they right. can't exist. And it's like, right. we can't have it both ways. Like, if you're going to go home right. and sit down and watch football and watch the sexualized women who report on the sports and then the commercials... And then yep. slut shame those same very women in real life. That is super hypocritical and it makes me super angry. That's Absolutely. point one. Or maybe now I'm, I'm point two. And then my third point is that 
there's I don't know what's going on with airlines and their censorship. Like this is one way they censor stuff. Also, you can't speak Arabic on airplanes or you can't speak any any language besides English, apparently. And it's I think I mean, this is all rooted in post 9-11, right? Everything we're like panicked and fearful on the planes. And so anything that isn't normative, middle class, white culture is literally booted off the plane, which is crazy. Right. And yeah, this post 9-11 world, I was just thinking like, it's just the worst, like not. And a lot of our students have grown up in this world, so they don't know any different, but it's just. Oh, and the other thing that I was thinking about with this one is I don't know how old that pilot was because it was the pilot that told her no, that she couldn't get on. I don't know how old this pilot was, but, you know, there there is a history of airlines being very high class and that you did have to dress up, actually, to get on an airplane for a very long time. And some of that still seeps through. Like, I know if you if you fly standby, I did that um, many years ago. But they were questioning me wearing blue jeans. as I, I was like, what are you talking about? And oh, I didn't wow. understand yeah. this, like, dressing up to fly thing. My partner right. likes to dress up to fly. I like to wear the most comfortable things possible. But So right. there is definitely a culture in our airlines about dressing up to the upper class white standard. Totally. And, so- and actually, yeah, when my grandmother was still alive, she would really encourage that. Partly because, you know, growing up without much money affording an airplane ticket was a big fucking deal so you like looked your best you know because it was like you know going to the theater or something that rich people need to do um so yeah i i I knew that about it um but yeah i think you're right it is that obviously times are different um thankfully i mean flying airplanes are still inaccessible to most poor people but there are it's somewhat more affordable that there's class you know there's a more diverse range of people of different classes who are able to get on it and isn't JetBlue uh, isn't JetBlue like a discount flyer they're super affordable yeah yeah that's how, see? That's what I buy all the time yeah exactly um they're not like as cheap or crappy as Spirit Airlines um but they are they are comparable to like Southwest um so another cheaper cheaper I love Southwest yeah hi Southwest give me some <laughs> right, airline money. I love you. Right. I fly you all the time. I do, but anyways. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it just it just it pisses me off. For the I mean, I think you I think you articulated it really well. It's like women are allowed to be sexual objects, but only on certain, you know, only in certain spaces and certain times and certain spaces. And and that woman wasn't like asking to be sexualized. And her, like, why does like why does a leg? Yeah have to be sexualized like it's her fucking leg and this is really irritating me with summer because it's fucking hot out and I wear short shorts and I don't I'm not as thin as this woman so occasionally somebody might see a little bit of my ass and it's like well it's summer I'm sorry also yeah and men get to walk around all the time summer shirtless yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have we're going to have a whole episode on, on clothing too someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's another thing that's ruining the dinner party. Jeff you know Lou. what though? Bef- um, you know what this is reminding me of is uh, my trip to Guatemala and the clothing culture there. Because, mm-hmm. um, so 
I brought this up my episode last time. I was like, I can't wait to talk to Rachel about it. So can I talk to you about it real quick? Please, yeah. Okay. So now, so, okay. So given this situation, now let me tell you another situation um, in which women's clothing is police. So I was in Guatemala. I didn't know this before I went. I didn't do any research. Um, but my friend who lives down there told me about halfway through my trip that the it's a Mayan culture. Like the Mayan culture is still very strong there. Um, in the, we're on this lake where I was staying and the norm, the cultural norm is for women to wear skirts past their knees and men to be fully covered. So even though it's hot as hell there, like men wear, you know, buttoned up shirts and long shorts or pants. Mm -hmm. And some of my clothes did not adhere to that norm. But when she told me that I just only wore, when I was out in public, I only wore clothes that, uh adhere to that norm. Um, yeah. Somebody that I was in conversation with, not my partner, um, didn't have the same opinion as me. We kind of got into a little tip about it because, you know, he was walking around shirtless and I just told him about the norm. I wasn't saying he should put his shirt on. I was just like, Oh, guess what I learned today. And then he took it very personally. Um, right. So then I just, I was thinking about you, Rachel, because you wear, like you just said, short shorts, like clothing, your regular outfits would not adhere to these norms at this lake. And so I was just curious, like what, what you would do given that, like, would you still just keep wearing your thing or? Yeah, no, no. So I think it's, I think it's, I feel like I'm, I, as I say what I'm about to say, like it's, I might be very hypocritical or problematic. I, I don't know, but. I, I've been to Guatemala. Um, there was a similar situation when I went to Ecuador where I was told before the trip to not wear shorts or short skirts. And, and I didn't. So I wore like three pants and long skirts and, and I was totally a hundred percent fine for a lot of reasons, Mel, that you noted in your episode last week about being a fucking invader like of a space that wasn't mine. Like I'm going to fucking follow the rules right. of the space that's not mine. Cause I'm there like as a guest and like, that's not, or, or, you know, I'm inviting myself to be a guest. It's not like I was even necessarily invited. Um, well, in some of those situations I was, cause it was through a program, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So of course I'm going to be respectful of, of those cultural norms. Um, you know, I think this there, you know, there's a lot of, let's take, let's take like, um, like headdresses, for example, like if you go to certain places, certain countries where you have to have your head covered, like, I don't, you know, I'm going to respect that 100% or like have your shoulders covered in a church or whatever the case may be. Like, I, I don't think it's my place to like bring my Western feminism to those spaces. um, Because I'm not I'm no longer in a space where Western white lady feminism matters as much. So well, I'm going to be on my high horse about like self-determination of my body in our white, in well, in our Western culture in the U.S. where, you know, I think we're at a place where en- enough people have wanted to have this conversation and, you know, it feels like part of my feminism, like then I'm, then I am going to get angry about people being banned from planes for short shorts in the U.S. But yeah, I think it's, it is, it is very, it is very white lady TM feminism of me to like have that be my priority. So I'm not going to bring that to, you know, the global South. Okay, cool. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious what you thought, because I know that your clothing is very important to you, and it's, like, politicized, and so... Yeah. I mean, I that's how I feel, too. Skirts and... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, when I was having my tiff with uh, a fellow traveler, I um, I brought up the, the hijab. You know, it's like, if I went to the Middle East, I'd put a damn scarf on my head. Like, and this is mm-hmm. a conversation that feminists have been having here in America, as if it's our right to have it. But anyways, this whole right, thing. Right. Like, and my thoughts on the hijab have, like, changed dramatically. But um, yep. I... I'd wear one. You just you just have to if you're and these these are countries in which, for better or worse, are deemed like below us, like wealth wise and culture wise, you know, and so we're definitely right. um the privileged ones going into those spaces. And this was part right. of my point and my argument, it's like we're in the privileged position to go to these places. The least we can do is adhere right. to their like their very basic clothing norms. You know, right. whether it's a headscarf or putting a Moving on. Exactly. Like, we're so privileged exactly. that we get to, like, make these choices. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I was just totally. curious. Thanks for yep. strapping. Yeah. That no, it's an interesting question. And it, um, um, yeah. It, anyway. Moving on. What else is making us angry this week? Um, how about the Harambe, the gorilla? Yeah, I do want to talk about that. Okay. Well, I feel like everybody already knows about. So this is the gorilla that got shot um, after a child, a black child fell into his little area and was deemed to be endangering the child. And there's been like, obviously, I'm sure everybody listening has either been ignoring or is very invested in this conversation. But we yeah. just wanted to bring it up because we're both vegan and like huge animal advocates, but also very much Black Lives Matter. And like, so all of our politics are kind of wrapped up into the story. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to share your opinion first? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, fuck zoos because they're awful. And Why? Because it's because they take animal life who who are capable of feeling pain and suffering and missing the families that they're stolen from and put into this this cage like prisoners in habitats that might closely resemble their actual habitats but actually don't and most of the time um you know not enough and they're confined spaces and they're put on display for human consumption without their consent and uh, that's the crux of veganism. It's like exploiting fucking animals without their consent. And that's that's like, so zoos are just like the fucking epitome of, of, the, of the oppression of animals. Yeah, and it's, and it's awful. And I, and um, there's also a really racist history with zoos. They actually used to have, they would put black slaves in zoos as well. I'll link to an article that talks about that, um, that history, um, because they were put on display and treated like animals, just like animals, you know, are treated. And I hate that phrase too. It's like they treat, you know, they're, they're, they're treating these people like animals as though God forbid we treat things like animals because, but, but sadly in our world, yeah, you don't want to be treated like an animal. But for me, it's like, can't we fucking get to the point where we don't treat 
animals so badly that that becomes a phrase for treating people horribly. Like, right. so, so fuck zoos, um, first of all. And I know that that's a little more complicated to some people because there are people that care about animals and the environment that like work at zoos. And so like, fine, but I have no desire to ever go to a zoo again. And I spent a lot of time in zoos in my childhood, but no thanks. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, I think it's so fucked up because, you know, a lot of people are, there's also really racist responses about the parents, like these, oh, these absent parent, you know, these parents who weren't paying enough attention to their kid. And it's super racially charged because these are black parents. And there's tons of examples of white kids getting the same thing happened to them in zoos and the parents aren't like put on, you know, fucking trial. Um, so there's a lot of racism involved with that as well. But then it gets down to this sort of basic question. It's like, well, a black boy's life or a gorilla's life? And like, that's obviously a really fucking hard question. Um, and obviously I'm super glad that this little black boy is alive, that any, that any, you know, that any human is alive. Of course, I'm glad for that. But um, that gorilla shouldn't have been there in the first place. And it's, and it's tragic. It's super tragic. And it's, I'll pause there. You, you, I have more to say about this, but you jump in. My point is, fuck zoos. And uh, also, well, as you were talking, it, it's reminded me of one of my favorite uh, articles that I've re- read about zoos. It's called um, Zoo Animals and, and Their Discontents. And I'll link, I'll send a link um, to share with everybody. But it's, a, it's about this zoologist who finally, like, got... We, we've known this for a very long time, but like in the science world, they need more proof, 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 you know? So he finally found a way to prove that animals and zoos have horrible mental health problems and are miserable yeah. there. Um, yeah. And it was just such a sad article to read, but it was just so well done and just yeah. you know, more Let's link to that. proof That's in the pudding important. about how horrible zoos are. And like, yeah. yes, they're, I guess they're good education for children, but God, we're like in the technology zone now in our lives. Like yeah. there's other ways to explore animals. Um, and they're in habitats that they're not naturally supposed to be in. I don't know enough about zoos because I know there's an argument that like, well, endangered species are protected in the zoo, but I, it comes down to that individual like gorilla, right? So let's say like a gorilla, this, you know, species of gorilla or whatever is endangered. Well, he's having a shitty, shitty life, you know, like, so what is, you know, is it worth saving this one kind of gorilla for him to have this like horrible, horrible life in a zoo? I don't know. Anyways. Or, like, let's get to the crux of the problem of why they're fucking endangered. And right. it's because of fucking humans. Like, it's the yeah. same bullshit yeah. we pull when it's like, oh, we're going to fucking obliterate Iraq, mm-hmm. but then we're going to, like, go in and fix it, and we're so special because we're going in and fucking fixing it. Well, you fucking obliterated it. So, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it's the same fucking colonized imperial fucking bullshit that we pull with human beings that we pull with animals. And it's like, we're going to fucking destroy your habitat and murder y'all, but then we're going to act like the fucking heroes because we're going to lock you up in a fucking cage. Like, fuck that noise. Yeah, or like environmental stuff that has led to the death of so many right. animals. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Okay. It's really, it's really enraging. Oh, also, yeah. again, this is way out of my element, and I know, like, the social media world was picking on everybody for all of a sudden being experts in this, yeah. but I would love to read more in-depth research on 
um, alternatives to killing animals. Like, I love that now when we get into high tension situations, we just kill whatever thing is threatening us, you know? So it's often animals or black people. Um, right. Please note the, like, connection there. Uh, but, right. like, what were other ways that we could have subdued that gorilla, you know? And also, right. he was protecting the little boy like when the boy fell in yes i mean because he's such a giant thing he was like pulling the boy but it was like a means of protection like he was actually trying to help the boy he wasn't trying to hurt it um so i've heard i've heard mixed i've heard mixed responses to that but have you, what's I, I the response that, i'm just i heard some some sciencey person said that she she didn't think he was trying to harm it but she also didn't think it, he was trying to protect it and that it was actually probably more of just you, I forget how she explained it exactly, but that whatever he was likely to do would have been a lot of dragging it around and like not, you know, dragging the boy, not it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, why are you idiot? the boy? <laughs> no, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I didn't mean to it the boy. She was comparing it to like what would happen if he picked up like some object Got in it. nature. That's yep, why yep. I said it. So, yep. um, so I've heard some mixed things. Again, okay. obviously we're not we're not animal scientists, so we so we don't know for sure. But regardless. You know, I agree with your your the, the crux of your question, which is like, why do we resort to fucking sh- shooting them, um, killing them? Yeah, why do you have to kill them? Like, couldn't um, you shoot them in a way that would? Again, I have the same questions about police and black people. Like, why can't you right. shoot to slow down or shoot to right. disarm? I mean, I don't understand. Right. This is yeah, yeah. Like you said, I out know. of control. So it is. It's it's it is out of control, and it also. Things like this, um, the Harembe stuff and the Cecil the Lion that happened last summer oh, yeah. um, when that fucker from Minnesota hunted him for sport. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot, suddenly everybody cares about animals and it's like, <gasps> yeah, that bothers okay, me too. It yep. bothers me so goddamn much. It's like, do you know, like, why is it that your dog, your cat, your bunny, your hamster, and then some majestic beast that gets in the news that yep. their lives matter? But like thousands of millions, quadrillions of pigs, cows, chickens, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, meh. Like, I'm eat. so confused that you fucking eat. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sorry. We're be, I'm being like real militant vegan right now because I am just, which I'm not usually like s- super like judgy, but nobody's, in, I don't have another person in front of me <laughs> that I can sort of feel bad for being judgmental. But I'm sorry. Like, it's some bullshit. Yeah. It's some bullshit. Like yeah. what? I'm just confused. Like where, what makes this hierarchy make sense to you? Like, why is this random gorilla, your cat? And you know, why, like why those creatures, how are they? It, they're not different. They all, one of the saddest articles I've ever read in my life was a picture essay capturing animals grieving their loved ones because they scientifically feel grief the same way we feel grief. Like they are sad when their loved ones die. Like, and we just fucking kill them. Like to eat them, to eat them. Yeah. I can't, but you're an animal lover. I'm an animal lover. No, no, not you. I'm sorry. I was talking to the like, um, Oh, I see the fake animal lovers that are like, I'm so sad about the gorilla. I'm such an animal lover. Choose on hamburger. I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. We might be isolating a lot of our listeners right now and I'm sorry. Well, it's called feminist killjoy PhD for a reason. It is. We are. Yeah. We're killing some joy right now. Um, yeah. So, okay. (laughs) That's, (laughs) 
that just happened. But anyway, I'm glad you brought that up though, because yeah, it's it's just absurd. That always bothers me though when people do that. Yeah, like when people get upset about yeah. animal stuff and then eat yeah. chicken. It's like okay. yeah. I could, yeah, I could go on. I have so many examples of that in my life that we will just move yeah. on. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, so this next thing we wanted to get angry about what is part of our names, uh, you know, our namesake. We've talked about Sarah Ahmed on the pad- podcast before because she has really um, theorized at length the feminist killjoy um, modality, if you will. And... Uh, she it was recently announced that she is leaving her position um from goldsmiths and uh, it's really vague i don't know if you've read anything with more detail mel but from what i know she refers sort of opaquely to some sex sex i don't know if it was sexual Sexual assault or sexual harassment that has gone unaddressed did you read do you know anything more than that no that's all she's saying right now yeah, that's all she's saying. So this might, for those of you who are not in academia slash the humanities of academia and read um, queer theory, this is probably kind of boring to you. But 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 it's it it, it really comes down to this question of like s- sexual harassment and sexism in academia that is so rampant, yeah, and unchecked and accepted. Um, and this is I don't know a unique for a professor to resign from their position for a reason like this. Like, totally. Usually it's because like they've done something bad, but for somebody to get so upset about the current status of their university or their workplace in academia, you do not resign from professorship jobs unless. Right. So this is like a, a very significant resignation. Um, yeah. But Can I, I mean, read the last paragraph? Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Read the last thing. Yeah. The last paragraph of the letter says, quote, sometimes we have to leave a situation because we are feminists. Wherever I am, I will be a feminist. I will be doing feminism. I will be living a feminist life. I will be chipping away at the walls, end quote. Um, And then she signs in solidarity, Sarah. So she's really saying that she can't in good conscience, like stay in this institution as a feminist. Um, which in some ways I like respect the shit out of. Um, but in other ways, I'm also, you know, as a junior un- non-tenure track faculty member who is not like a rock star academic like Sarah Ahmed with money from books and speaking engagements and all the things, that's also like a huge expression of privilege to be able to walk away yeah. from a job and be like, I'm, I'm like the I'm not trying to give I'm not trying to like shit on Sarah Ahmed. I'm just saying like there's it's a little bit like it's a it's it is a luxury and a privilege yeah. to like do something because of your morals and not think about the material consequences in ways that I mean, I will I will not say, you know, I've, I've worked at some really, really fucked up institutions in a lot of ways. And I have never had the luxury of being like, fuck this place. I'm. I'm too feminist for yeah. this, you know, and I'm not saying that's what she's doing. It's obviously, but I'm just, you know, you have to have some privilege to be able to do that. So that's just sort of a, I'm killing the joy of the killjoy. So I'm sorry about that, but. Yeah, no, I would have loved to. I remember um, in Milwaukee asking a professor if I could quit my TA ship because I like refused to like work in this like system that mm-hmm. um, encouraged, you know, 
certain politics and I just, I mean, I couldn't, I had no other option. You know, I had to keep working there. Um, but I think at the same time, I, she's not saying much, but it's pretty clear what's going on. Um, I have another professor that I, that I will, she will remain unnamed, but I'm pretty sure like she's trying to also leave her job because of this stuff. The sexual Mm -hmm. harassment and um, assault on campuses and then universities pretending to um, ignore the, you know, ignoring the problem, not Mm -hmm. bringing the uh, sexual harassers and assaulters um, to, not to justice, but to punish them correctly. It's a huge Mm -hmm. problem across universities. Absolutely. Um, Thankfully, not a huge issue at my community college. But, like, at universities where there's, like, lots of, you know, living on campus, frats, sororities, lots of drinking, yep. that's not an excuse. But those cultures just produce so much crap. And amongst the professors, too. It doesn't stop at the students. It goes all the way up to the professors. And, yep. I mean, who knows what she's dealing with. And But I'm not surprised. I could just make up some kind of situation that would be worthy of her resigning um, right. There's just, and I mean, there's endless stories and she's yep. not, she's not the first one that's leaving. It's just, she's able to just resign. Like plenty yeah. of people switch jobs because of this. We just don't hear about yeah. it that way. Right. Right. Yeah, so totally. There is a huge problem yeah. with sexual assaults and harassment on, on campuses, which I think is the reason why she's making this a big deal in hopes that we take it yeah. up and start talking about it more. Totally. And which I am so grateful for and respect them. Yeah, I really... I hope that my, like, maybe I should have waited and took a moment to, like, celebrate that and then, you know, celebrate her her, her, her act of solidarity um, before kind of shitting on it. But, um, oh, that's okay. I felt but, the same thing. I was like, oh, that yeah. must be nice. Yeah. I mean, go you, but geez. <laughs> right, right, right. But that also reminds me, did you hear today the uh, the swimmer, and I, I, I already forgot that which school it is, but there was a swimmer, a student who had sex with a woman who was unconscious or unconscious uh mm-hmm. like drunk passed out mm-hmm. and uh, they you know they there was a trial and they tried to get him in jail for six years and they ended up reducing the sentence to six months because quote the lawyer said i'm not gonna have the exact quote but he basically said he believes that that kind of jail time would have a really harsh and like irreversibly troubling impact on this like youth who has so much potential because he's like you know a star star swimmer and good student and he's fucking white and just, like, this idea that, like, he was able to reduce a sentence because he thought it would be, like, mentally and emotionally damaging to this student literally makes me want to throw up all over everything because prison is always already, and jails, are emotionally and mentally damaging to every single person, yeah. but it's only fucking white boys from, what's yep. it, do you remember what, you know what no. school it is, Purdue, is it? Um, no. uh, I know what you're talking about, though. I have yeah. an, and her letter. So you're going to get to and the point for, where she she wrote a letter to him. Yep. Yep. You I haven't read it that. yet. I, it's a little intense. I mean, clearly it's intense. So I'm like, I need to like not read that. Yeah. With my I was actually in the same. I was actually in the same boat. So I haven't opened it yet. Because um, yeah. I yeah, people were saying literally the most powerful thing I've ever or like, yeah, intense thing I've ever read. I was like, I don't I'm not capable of reading the most intense thing I've ever read right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was from Stanford. I just checked. Um so, yeah, just like, and and me as a prison abolitionist, I don't actually think that more jail time is justice. So that's like not what I would be saying at the end of the day either. But as long as we're fucking sending, you know, millions of people of color behind bars, like, yeah. 
and not think about their mental and emotional impact. Like, ugh. Yeah, P.S. So much rage today. P.S. Yeah? about that, when you just brought that up, um, it reminds me of a trial that's been happening in Minneapolis with um, three young Somali guys who were huh. accused of working with ISIL. Did you hear about this? I didn't. Okay, with ISIS. So it's been a big news thing here. So three guys got caught basically talking to people in ISIS and they wanted to go uh -huh. to Syria and they had a trial here in Minneapolis and they got convicted of thinking about going to Syria basically and they're going to be in jail for the rest of their lives oh but but like I would say that you know what you just said about that that young white guy who raped a woman I would say about yeah. these guys like yeah terrorism is very serious but like they're very young and being Somali right. in this city is really hard. It it yeah. drives a lot of young guys to find some kind of community and they're driven to go hang out with ISIS. I'm not a terrorist sympathizer or whatever, but it's like even the even the judge tried to set it up where he was actually wanting them to get help, not jail yeah. time. But like he's yeah. only one. It wasn't the judge. It was like right. a district attorney or something like. Right. There's people that are trying to just like, you know, rehab them, not throw them in right. jail. But the jury right. of like the all white jury decided that they need right. to be in jail for their whole lives. And it's like, yeah. thanks that's, a lot. Like they could have done some real good work actually here in Minneapolis. Seriously. I mean, that's just going to make resentment build more. And like, yeah. the, I hate when people always say radicalism in reference to terrorism. Cause like I identify as a radical and yeah. that association, but they would have been radicalized to the, you know, they're going to, that's going to make them want to be more yep. radical to the terrorist side. Yep. Um, and we could have talked to that's, youth in Minneapolis here. We, I mean, we have a problem. I mean, right. There is a, there is a, a pipeline from Minneapolis yeah. to ISIS, but why, you know, like you gotta right. be, you gotta be talking to our community here because there's something going on where they're driven to go do that. And it's not right. because Somali people are terrorists, right? So, right, ooh. exactly. Exactly. I know. So yeah, I know let's throw him in jail. Great solution for their whole lives. But make sure that that rapist guy gets, you know, only six months so he can, so his life right. isn't destroyed. Right. Uh, uh, oh, hey, you want to talk about a black person being thrown in jail for? <laughs> yeah, let's let's end with this one um, because I, I know we're getting to time. Like I think we might even be over already. But well, um, we still got a couple minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Last thing that we want to rage out about this week is, yeah, speaking, this is all, all connected. Um, Jasmine Richards is a Black Lives Matter activist from Pasadena, California. She's convicted of something called felony lynching. Um, felony lynching was originally put on the books as something that happened when police were trying to arrest a black person and then white supremacists and the KKK would try to take the black person from police custody so that they could give the black person like a more violent, quote unquote, you know, a, a violent, like lyn lynch the person. Um, instead of put the person in jail. And so that was like, so, at, you know, even even at the beginning, it was still like, you know, you're met, you're, you're fucking with police. Not it's not even about the black life. It's about like, you're you're getting in the way of a police responsibility. Yeah. Um, and today, <laughs> this black woman who's Black Lives Matter activist, or I think I think they're women. I didn't I, you know, identified. Um, this black person is getting accused of that because she tried to help one of her fellow activists not get arrested. So she was pulling somebody away from the cops. Um, and so now she's being accused of, in irony of all ironies, a felony lynching. Um, 
and is and might get thrown in fucking prison for it, which is just like our fucking world. So, and then two things to add to the anger. One, um, so to get convicted of this, they uh, you need to have a riot with you. And so at that point, they were marching in protest of a black life being taken by the police. And so that's how the court system defined the riot. So the protest was the riot. And so because she had a riot behind her, that's how it turned into a lynch, a lynching. Wow. Right. My second point actually is not to produce anger, but actually decrease it a little bit. Um, The very subtle silver lining is that this is in California and the governor actually took the lynching word. Lynch is now removed from that penal code by the media is using is using the old term felony lynching because that's the to make the point it's still the same law it's just like a couple months before she got arrested he had taken that word out because it's so offensive but it's still the same law same history and all that so anyways just trivia yeah rage trivia for you yeah, I want to remember to try to follow up and see what happens because I hope this person doesn't just become one of the millions of people of color who are incarcerated. I'm sure nobody will uh, worry about her like livelihood and how jail will impact yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. How mentally and emotionally impacts her. Right, yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, shall we decompress from our rage and move on to our RWLs? Yes, let's let's do it. What are you RWLing, Rachel? I'm super stoked about my RWLs. Um, I, a couple weeks ago, but not since we last did an RWL, um, I finished The Argonauts, which is that book that I mentioned that I was reading, um, that I wanted to sit by myself and have a glass of wine while I read it. Uh I did that, and it was great. Um, I loved the book. I have to say it was really indulgent and really not super, not every book has to be like, I'm going to talk about race and class politics really explicitly, but... um, I, when they don't at all, and it's like a queer white woman, I'm like, I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about race and class because like you are exerting a lot of privilege right now and like not really checking it that much. And like, she does, that's not her job necessarily, but like that felt a little missing for me. So it was a little bit indulgent, a little bit, um, you know, not mindful of sort of some things, but it was also beautiful and I really highly recommend it. It's, I don't get a lot of stories from queer women in, in the world. And I've, many of the things I've highlighted on our podcast have been exactly that because they're so impactful to me. Um, and I just wish we had more of them and, and it was wonderful. So I'm glad I got to finish that. Um, I'm listening to the shit out of the new Chance the Rapper album. And I have been since it dropped a couple weeks ago. I love Chance the Rapper. I love you. I love you, Chance. I love you. Um, <laughs> and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it makes me really happy. It's a really beautiful album. Um, and I'm watching, uh, Grace and Frankie is that show is a show on Netflix, uh, with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and Martin Sheen. And I forget the other guy's name in real life. Um, Sam Watterson. Um, and it's a story about a TV show about, uh, this couple, two couples in their seventies and the men, both of the men are their partners in a law firm. And they end up leaving their wives for each other. Yes. So it's the story about people in their 70s starting a gay relationship. And then these two women who are sort of left behind and starting this like kind of really lovely friendship. Um, and 
I think it's it's not the best writing in the world, and it could be a tiny bit better, I think, in terms of like laughs and stuff. It's a mm-hmm. sitcom, but um, but it's so so cool and important to see old old you know old people in their seventies like being like loving, having sex, having feelings. Like we don't see nearly enough of that, and it's it's really refreshing, and I think really important to see media representation of of old people living full lives you know yes and also like big thumbs up to like netflix especially for just ruining all the like problem like fixing not fixing addressing tons of representational problems on regular tv you know so like i teach media studies and it's like oh representation is horrible here and here and here and then all of a sudden netflix it's like Oh, there's no representations of mental health issues with women. Here's a show. Oh, there's no 70 year old gay guys. Here's a show like all, you know, because they have this freedom. (laughs) It's a me. It's just really amazing because I shame TV my whole class. And then my students are like, but what about the show on Netflix? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess there you go. I mean, and one one show doesn't solve everything, but Netflix didn't have to do this, right? They didn't have to go down this road. But obviously there is a strong market for a more diverse TV cast. Um, Yeah. And, you know, it's I mean, this is sorry. We're just going to media studies nerd out for a second. It's not even just the market. I actually heard an interview with um, a filmmaker um, who talked about how things like Netflix, their currency, their their sign of success is how much cultural conversation they start with the show. So how much are people talking about it on social media, on all these things like that is more important than even numbers of people watch it. So that's really interesting. And so, yeah, something like this is going to start. Yeah, Yeah, it it did. That's why like, I, you're the third person that I've heard talk about this show now in two days. Yeah. So now I watch it because it is hyped up. So. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. so what about you? yeah, me real quick. I started reading *The Fault in Our Stars*, that young adult novel about cancer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm sure that'll be sad, but anyways, it's yeah. a cute little teenage romance. Um, right. I've been watching. Speaking of what I just talked about with Netflix, I did try to watch two um, new female-led shows: *Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt* and *Lady Dynamite*. I don't love them. I was a little disappointed in both of them. So I know you like I, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, right? I, I do like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I don't think it's perfect, but I but I like it enough to have watched it. Um, I couldn't even get through one episode of Lady Dynamite. Me so. either. I, I, me yeah, either. It was just too weird and not engaging. Like, yeah, I didn't. I don't. I don't love. They break the fourth wall a lot in this really weird yeah. way. And they have yeah. this like meta conversation about women in stand up comics. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll try a different episode, but yeah, my favorite show on Netflix is still master of none. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and then everybody will be so excited to hear that I'm listening to music on my phone. I am just listening to 2016. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm listening. I have Google play on my phone. And so they have these cool playlists. So I could be like, they're like, what are you doing? And I could be like cleaning up around the house. And then they have playlists for that. And uh-huh. um, they start to learn what you like. And so they give me a lot of like lady hip hop. Um, yep. And I can change my preferences. And as a bonus, I have a Bluetooth speaker now that I can clip on to my bag when I'm riding my bike. So I could have mm-hmm. like a speaker playing music while I'm riding. Not in my headphones, but just like, a, you know, an outward speaker. 
I love that. So I'm it's like, like really mini, with the time. Box. What? Yeah. It, it is like a mini boom box. It is. So, I, so yeah. anyways, even though I do yeah. buy CDs, I'm with the times. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Now, finally, a little bit. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm so glad we are um, back to it, Mel. I missed you. I'm glad we got to rage out a little bit today. Yeah, me too. I missed you. I'm glad we're back together. Yep. All right. WTF. Power. Bye. Bye. This ain't no intro, this the entree. Hit that intro with Kanye. I sound like Andre. Tryna turn my baby mama to my fiance. She like music, she from Houston, like Auntie Yonsei. Man, my daughter couldn't have a better mother. If she ever find another, you better love her. Man, I swear my life is perfect. I can merge it. If I die, I'll probably cry in my own service. It was a dream, you cannot mess with the pain. This is like this many rings, y'all know what I mean. This for the kids of the king of all kings. This is the holiest thing. This is the beat that played under the word. This is the sheep that ain't like what it hurt. This is officially first. This is the third. This is a We got